Hello and welcome to Meiwei's Chinese Medicine Matters podcast, where we share traditional Chinese medicine news, research, and topics relevant to TCM practitioners and students. I'm Lauren Koffel, and in this episode, William McLean will be discussing the treatment of obesity with Chinese medicine. William McLean is a graduate of the New South Wales College of Natural Therapies with a diploma of traditional Chinese medicine in 1987, and the University of Technology Sydney with a master's in science in traditional Chinese medicine in 2004. Will interned at the Red Cross Hospital in Hangzhou, China. An apprentice for several years under the renowned Chris Madden. In addition to the Clinical Handbook series, Will is the author of several works on Chinese medicine, including the Clinical Manual of Chinese Herbal Medicines and the Clinical Handbook of Chinese Herbs. Will has taught widely in Australia, Europe, and the U.S. And while recently retired from nearly 30 years of clinical practice. Maintains an ongoing interest in the development of strategies for the understanding and treatment of chronic infections, lingering pathogens, and chronic inflammatory disorders. Obesity, fei pong, in Chinese, is a medical condition in which excess body fat has accumulated to the extent. That it may have a negative effect on health. Now on the rise worldwide, obesity is the most common nutritional-related disorder of the developed world, increasingly so in the developing world, and the impact on and cost to the community is significant. Obesity is mostly associated with an increase in the energy value and volumes of food consumed, coupled with a decrease in activity. There are, however, some diseases that can contribute to increased weight. Such as endocrine problems like hypothyroidism, polycystic ovarian syndrome, Cushing syndrome, and acromegaly, while other conditions that contribute to weight gain include cardiac failure, nephrotic syndrome, premenstrual syndrome, early pregnancy, and depression. Some drugs can also contribute to weight gain, including tricyclic antidepressants, the oral contraceptive pill. And corticosteroids. Chinese medicine can play a valuable supporting role in the management of obesity and its associated chronic health conditions, helping correct physiological imbalances that can contribute to it, specifically slow metabolism, digestive inefficiency, problems with insulin metabolism, and the associated fatigue preventing activity. That said, there are no quick fixes, and no amount of intervention can be effective without the basic therapeutic principle of eating less and exercising more. There are standard parameters that are useful in determining the progress of treatment. These are based on the body mass index and the waist-to-hip circumference ratio. The body mass index is calculated by dividing the weight in kilograms by the square of the height in meters. The waist-to-hip circumference ratio is derived by dividing the circumference of the waist by the circumference around the hips. The general consensus of a healthy range for this dimensionless ratio is less than 0.9 for men and 0.8 for women. In terms of the overall health of obese individuals, 
The body mass index should always be considered in the context of the individual concern. Many people with a BMI outside the consensus healthy range are perfectly well. The risk levels for chronic illness, however, do increase significantly with increasing body mass index, in particular diabetes and metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular and gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis and infertility. Rising in tandem with the increasing frequency of obesity are disorders of sugar metabolism, specifically insulin resistance and diabetes mellitus. Diabetes is examined in some detail in my clinical handbook of internal medicine. Insulin resistance, though, is a condition occurring when somatic cells do not respond appropriately to insulin. The glucose that should have been taken up by cells with the assistance of insulin to power metabolism is instead routed into fat storage. The obesity associated with insulin resistance tends to be central, that is, abdominal in its distribution. The more weight gained, the greater the insulin resistance and higher the compensatory insulin production, which leads to even more weight gain. The main contributing factors of obesity are basically taking in more energy than is used by activity. Weakness and inefficiency of transformation, transportation and the utilisation of qi derived from food as a result of poor organ system function will further compound weight gain. Weakness or dysfunction of the various organ systems of Chinese medicine can contribute in specific ways. Firstly, and perhaps most importantly, is dysfunction of the spleen and stomach. Weakness of the spleen and stomach results in inefficient digestion, leading to dampness and phlegm accumulation in the form of fat and fluid in the tissues. This weakness and the tendency to phlegm dampness accumulation can be inherited or acquired through poor eating habits. Patients with the real or perceived weight problem are often drawn to slimming diets, many of which use bitter, cold purgatives, diuretics and appetite suppressants as their main therapy. These damage the spleen and do little to facilitate a change towards healthier and sustainable eating habits. The patient loses appetite, some weight and fluid, but once the dieting stops, the weight usually returns worse than before. This yo-yo pattern of weight loss and weight gain further depletes spleen and kidney young. Inactivity is another major factor in weakening the spleen. Indeed, it was noted in the simple questions that Wang Di Neijing Suwen in Chapter 23 that too much lying down damages the qi, that is the lungs, and too much sitting damages the flesh, that is the spleen. Habitual overeating overloads the spleen and stomach and exceeds or compromises their processing capacity. Instead of being efficiently processed and moved quickly through the digestive tract, unprocessed food accumulates, stagnates and produces heat. The heat causes increased appetite and a vicious cycle occurs in which the spleen and stomach are further weakened with digestion becoming increasingly inefficient. The resulting dampness from the weakness combines with the heat to produce damp heat or is then further congealed into phlegm. The resulting dampness, damp heat and phlegm accumulate in the tissues and internal organs with firmer, further ramifications for health. For example, phlegm can accumulate in the cardiovascular and cerebrovascular systems causing chest pain, 
destruction of blood vessels, peripheral circulation problems, wind stroke, tremors, anxiety states and vertigo. While chronic heat or damp heat in the Yang Ming organ systems can injure intestinal yin and damage the intestinal lining. Local circulation of qi and blood is therefore impaired. Phlegm and blood stasis accumulate and polyps, nodules and tumours may form. Stress and its influence on the liver can contribute to obesity. Chronic liver chi constraint weakens the spleen, retards fluid movement and leads to accumulation of dampness and phlegm. Prolonged or severe constraint also generates heat, which may combine with dampness to form damp heat or phlegm, or injure fluids and yin. Chi constraint also has an impact on gallbladder function and the distribution of bile, and in combination with dampness readily forms gallstones. Gallstones can further impair digestive efficiency and lead to the accumulation of even more dampness. Weakness of the kidneys can also contribute to obesity. As we age, a kidney young declines and the metabolic fire that underpins the young functions of the other organ systems diminishes. Spleen young, the basis of efficient digestion is weakened and dampness, phlegm and blood stasis can occur more readily. Decline in kidney yin reduces yin fluids generally, leading to heat from deficiency which in turn contributes to thickening of fluids, accumulation of phlegm and blood stasis. Additionally, decline of yang qi in general contributes to diminishing activity levels and an increase in sedentary habit. A constitutional tendency to weight gain with weight problems running through some families is often seen in clinic. This can be from learned behaviour with poor eating habits imprinted from an early age, part of an inherited template or both. The treatment of obesity is challenging as the reasons for overeating are complex and often intertwined with social, economic and emotional factors. For sustained success, treatment requires a substantial commitment from both the patient and the practitioner and is usually prolonged. Initial weight gain can often be dramatic, but this is largely fluid. Real weight loss, that is, Decrease in fat deposits should be gradual, ideally no more than around a quarter of a kilogram per week. In this way, the metabolic changes necessary to keep the weight off can be embedded. During this process, regular support and encouragement, reinforcement of goals and monitoring of progress are the keys to success. The Chinese Medicine Clinic is an ideal environment to provide such a framework. Regular acupuncture treatment provides a good forum for encouraging motivation and reviewing progress, as well as improving physiological function. The typical treatment course will run from 3 to 12 months, during which time, in an ideal situation, acupuncture is given weekly. The increasing use and efficacy of pharmaceutical drugs such as metformin, ozempic and Wegovy may seem to make the Chinese medical strategy Somewhat redundant, but we are very much of the opinion that there are multiple other benefits in addition to weight loss that a sensible strategy such as the Chinese medicine approach provides. Not only do people gradually lose weight, but they function better and feel better too by encouraging and promoting healthy homeostasis rather than physiologically manipulating metabolism, other than where that is obviously appropriate, 
Once the weight is lost, beneficial new habits are established and functionality is improved, the weight is much more likely to stay off. So the mainstay of the Chinese medical strategy for obesity, at least in my opinion, is firstly regular acupuncture to provide the framework for reinforcing healthy habits while physiologically retraining the body to greater efficiency and better function, combined with appropriate dietary changes and an increase in activity levels, all of which should be introduced gradually and organically. Specific herbs can be added as needed to enhance organ system function, clear pathogens and activate qi and blood as a particular individual requires. In addition to this, a food and activity diary is very helpful. This is a handy way of assessing the nature and volume of food consumed and the relative energy expenditure. A food and activity diary helps in tailoring a rational plan as well as creating awareness in the patient of what is actually being ingested and what is being used. We find that people generally underestimate unintentionally or otherwise, the amount of food they eat. As Chinese medicine practitioners, however, we have to be mindful that for patients with spleen deficiency, a food diary can become a source of obsession and encourage a counterproductive preoccupation with food and the diet. The actual diet that the patient has is, of course, critical. A diet that reflects whatever pathology is actually being treated is recommended, but this should be introduced gradually. Radical or sudden changes in diet are not advised since they are generally not sustainable. For a lot more information on specific diets tailored to specific pathology, see Chapter 26 of my Clinical Handbook of Internal Medicine. Regardless of the treatment for specific pathologies, there are a few simple dietary guidelines that apply to those wishing to lose weight and indeed to people in general. These include reducing the volume of food by around 30%. Use smaller plates. Carbohydrates and starches in particular should be reduced. Eat more fresh vegetables and moderate amounts of fruit. Avoid refined carbohydrates, overly processed foods, soft drinks, soda, fruit juices, and excessive amounts of fatty or fried foods. Avoid snacking in between meals. Breakfast and lunch are considered the most important meals as their energy value is consumed in activity while the energy from an evening meal tends to be stored as fat. Chinese medicine, with its understanding of the flow of qi in the 12 channels, has long recognised that it is the early part of the day that the digestive organs are at their most efficient. The time of maximal energy available for digestion is between 7 and 11am, this is the spleen and stomach time. So the old saying, eat like a king at breakfast, a prince at lunch and a pauper at dinner is very sound advice. A disciplined and persistent approach is essential, but rigidity is counterproductive, especially for those with spleen deficiency, as mentioned previously. And overall, the 80-20 rule applies. Do the right thing 80% of the time, and 20% of the time you can get away with some indiscretion. And finally, a realistic and regular program of exercise or increase in daily activity is an essential part of any weight loss plan. Exercise consumes calories and makes muscle tissue more insulin sensitive. Therefore, the pancreas can reduce its output and less sugar is shunted to fat deposits. The ideal goal should be for a minimum of 30 to 40 minutes of sustained aerobic activity every day. 
or at least several times a week. What this practically means is getting the heart rate up to about 50% above its resting rate, that is to 120 beats per minute if the resting rate is 80, and keeping it there for about 30 to 40 minutes. Walking is ideal, and we also find weight training to be of particular benefit. The benefits of regular aerobic activity are of course cumulative and tend to become self-sustaining over time. Now there's no denying that the uh, treatment of obesity is challenging as it involves change, often fundamental change, and at least initially travel out of one's familiar comfort zone. As creatures of habit we tend to resist it and find excuses to avoid changing. However, if the initial resistance can be overcome, which takes in my experience about four to six weeks of treatment, and the patient sticks to the program, it soon tends to become self-sustaining, as feeling and moving better become addictive. The key is the regular reinforcement and encouragement that the weekly acupuncture treatments provide, and a persuasive confidence on the part of the practitioner that the results will soon be apparent. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the treatment of obesity with Chinese medicine, which was researched and written by William McLean. To read this information, you can access the written article, which is linked in the episode description. And please subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support and to hear when our next episode comes out. In next week's episode, Dr. Kim Perano will be talking about navigating holiday eating. Until then, take good care of yourself and your patients. Chinese medicine matters, and so do you. Hi everyone, Lauren here again, wishing you a happy and healthy May. As many of you know, Chinese Medicine Matters is the podcast of Mayway Herbs, a TCM online store and dispensary where practitioners can ship directly to their patients. This month on Chinese Medicine Matters, we're focusing on women's health. We'll explore a wide array of topics related to women's health at different stages of life. So stay tuned for informative episodes you won't want to miss. And we're excited to offer a special discount on our Women's Health Formulas category the entire month of May. Practitioners use code WOMEN24 at checkout on mayway.com to receive a 15% discount. And remember to sign up for the Mayway Herbs newsletter for exclusive content and ongoing promotions. The episode description includes a link to sign up. And thanks again for tuning in and supporting Real Chinese Medicine.